Shut up, Seth. Chris, you scared the bejesus out of me, you mother... <laughs> so anyway, I started you're... blasting, right? And your 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 Facebook picture scared me today. Hey, he's <laughs> telling a story about him murdering people. Go on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was he dressed up like a fucking clown? Like, holy shit, kid! I'm in a blanket with a cup of cocoa, sitting in the tree on this wonderful evening, and I want to hear about the people he murdered. <laughs> yeah, Chris. What was their name? Do they have family? Um, let's just say you would know. Um, do, do, do I have to call the SPC uh, Foundation? You're gonna find out later, Zach. It looks like it's somebody connected to you, Chris. Oh, are you are you shooting family members of your co-host again, you whippersnapper? <laughs> I mean, that's all right. Do what you gotta do. Do what you gotta all do. I, I just, all I regret is that. I didn't get a mask to fit the jacket. Chris, you regret nothing. Oh, you mean like Humongous's mask? Ah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. I wonder why he's called Humongous. Yeah, I wonder too. Um, <laughs> well, welcome to the Mushroom Movie Podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, it's, about, it's about Ego. He made that name up, probably. And he yeah. ran around being, I'm Lord Humongous. It's the same thing with um, Immortan Joe. He's he, yeah, he, yeah. Clearly, Humongous? he was compensating. Yeah, I was gonna say he was clearly compensating for something down below the pants. <laughs> I'm sorry, what pants? Oh, right, true. The loincloth. I'm sorry, my mistake. The leather loincloth. Yeah, straight up leather underwear. Yeah, that's true. That's not the. That's not the only leather underwear. In the Australian about. desert. Yeah. Like all right. Up- all right. All right. All right. <laughs> so, so. Mad Max got- Two. We we have some news to talk about. It's been some. Two... I think just a little bit, truthfully, not too much has happened. Unless you want to talk about Donald Trump, then a lot happened. Nope. <laughs> he had a great nope. interview recently. Yeah, he had a great one. <laughs> great. <laughs> great interview recently. He had absolute, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> great. He definitely. He did nothing wrong. Sleepy Joe is just it. It's all fake news. For the rest, for as long as I live, I am going to keep that interview for all my Republican friends. Anyway, oh, so bad. So, so let's let's get started. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, uh, before we we get to some really really big stuff, any small news you want to bring to the table? Oh yeah, the Avatar creators—they left the day. That's the, the big show. thing, you son of a. I was the well, big I figured thing. you were you faking know, me out. No, I wasn't actually faking you out. I actually legit meant you. Small well, you know, that's the that's the big one that he came to me with. Yeah, you fucker. Well, then don't play the pronoun game if you have if you want to save a specific story. For Chris, last. I'm not. Why I'm didn't not you a, tell me before we started say, recording? I did play Chris? the pronoun game. Chris? I said, "What small news do you want to bring?" I legit that's meant small news. Don't you don't no, give me that kind no. of power. You don't give me that kind of power if you have. A sp- You're like J.J. Abrams giving like episode eight to Ryan Johnson after you specifically that, said now, Chris, that's specific points know. to be relived. And then we you know like, that that wasn't a bad decision. It was just a terrible decision. No, 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 no. Chris, that was an apt metaphor. Zach, you didn't tell us what you wanted to be the big news first. You were just like. What small news you want to talk about? And maybe that is small news to Chris. Maybe the big news is the David Arquette wrestling movie doc that I sent you. I was going to tell you. Uh, uh, that was what Those, I was... Those, the comments, 
on that post, Alex, are cancer. I'm sorry. That's Straight up. We want to see that, right? You and I? So I, I want I want to see it. So Chris exactly. to, to, to to talk about wrestling, actually, because this is kind of small news, but this is something I think you'll appreciate. All right. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He bought was the XFL. A fi- what no? He did. Well, yes. Well, yes, but that wasn't what I was getting at. He okay. he was officially now the metrics came out, the highest paid actor of twenty nineteen. He also didn't put any film out. No, he's the highest paid actor in twenty twenty. But he hasn't put anything out in 2020. That was the reason it was so interesting to people. He's yeah. done the work, and but it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, everything was riding on the release of yeah. Jungle Cruise. I know. Um, um, the, I think he was. I think he was in the new Fast movie as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, I think that's great. Also, other thing, people want Dwayne Johnson to play Kronk. <laughs> Ugh. What's Kronk? Oh, from, from Emperor's oh. New Groove. They want Dwayne Johnson to play a live-action Kronk. I'm like, yes. Why? Because Kronk's great, and Dwayne Johnson's perfect for that. <laughs> uh, do I think that do I think that Dwayne Johnson could perf- does look the role and could play the character? Yes. Do I think he could do the voice? The whole the whole reason that character's great is because of Patrick Warburton. True. It's well, like. I mean, that's like, like a ever, step down. No, it's not. I think. No, I no, 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 think. No. Okay. It's a step down from like. I think it's a step. It's to not the as bad. It's not as bad as like casting Will Smith to replace Robin Williams because you cast anybody and they won't do as good as Genie. As I, Robin Williams did. I think it's that's a step the to next. The, that's the next. That's like the next thing you, I, you could mess up. I with. think it's a step to the left. Truthfully, I don't think it's Ooh, worse. I, I don't think he necessarily would be better because Patrick Warburton's so iconic. It's speculation. Give me some actual news. Patrick Warburton's great. Like this is what I would say to that. Um, the, every yeah, Robin Williams was so good. Anybody to replace the genie live action thing would never step it up. But Will Smith is charming and great, and we all love him. Uh, and we all were, I think people were fine with that. I was fine with that. One billion dollars. Like, I, I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Aladdin, so I can't tell you, but I, I'm fine. I like Charming Will Smith. I'm cool with that. Um, in this case, it's all about Warburton and it's all about his voice. Yeah. That's why that character is great is because his performance is so great. But if you're going to make a live action of it, which it seems like they might do and would was going down that route as they kept making live actions of stuff, then yeah, I think the rock is a great choice. Why not? He's never going to live up to Patrick Warburton. Why not? Yeah. I guess. Why, why, why stopping to, him at this point? Well, well, here's the thing, Chris, why try oh, to live up to it when you just make the best that you can do? And that's what Dwayne Johnson's always done. Why make a live action remake I, of Emperor's New Groove? Why why make a live action remake of everything they've done, dude? Like why make a live action remake of Aladdin for God's sakes? Because they can. <laughs> I would say um if they did do it and they did choose The Rock, the reason I think he would be good would be two movies. Central Intelligence and uh with Kevin Hart and um uh B and be cool. The sequel to Get Shorty. Where he, 
Um, oh. Yeah. No, but that's a voice. That's a voice performance. I'm talking about physically, his face and sure, his like, sure, his sure. actions. And be cool. He's a funny gay um, wannabe star hitman, uh, aspiring star hitman. He's really funny in it. And in sexual, in sexual intelligence, he's like crazy. He's like legit. There's something wrong with his head, and his performance is great. It really like you. Keep, you're always guessing on what he's gonna do, and it's always funny because the guy is nice, but he's also something's broken in his head. Well, here's a, well, here's the thing. Like, not to go off on a tangent, but like he was bullied in high school, so that's like psychological trauma that he that just went unchecked. Yeah, yeah. So of course he I mean, went crazy. Uh, in sexual intelligence, mean? Yes. Yes, yes, I agree. But that that's um I also think the years of being a spy too and not being able to trust people and stuff like that. That's why I like that movie. I think his I think there's a lot in his character about that says about I, that I love his fat suit in that movie. Just gonna say I this. You do. I love the moment <laughs> I love the moment where his partner is faking his death, spoilers, and um <laughs> and he's trying to he's pretending to try that the door the elevator door is locked. He's like, yeah, you know, it's locked. And, and The Rock is like, it feels like you're pushing it closed. No, yeah, I can't get it open. I love that moment. Wasn't that it, wasn't he played by Aaron Paul in that movie? Yes, yes, it was. It was Aaron Paul, yeah. Central Intelligence good is on good. Him. really good in that. Dude, Aaron Paul does all kinds of shit, dude. Aaron Paul's great. <laughs> all right. And that's not even talking about El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's in a little. He's in a little show called Breaking Bad. He's also in a really great show called BoJack Horseman. Oh, One of my right. favorite shows of all time. Actually, so 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 uh, to talk about shows, actually, and I want to get really brief about this. Um, I I recently watched Space Force. <laughs> oh boy, I haven't got it yet. It's it's like kind of hilarious in the right sort of way like i actually love steve carell in it a lot because he's trying to be this super tough guy military guy but it's steve carell trying like being funny and i like can't take anything about it seriously i uh i've come to appreciate his serious role so if you're saying that he's striking a balance in that show very well um that also makes it funny uh i'm interested i also love ben schwartz Yes, I uh, yes Ben Schwartz is also in. The, I completely, dude, Ben Schwartz gets around, man. Like, not gonna oh, lie. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Um, people say it's not very funny, but like, I think it's kind of hilarious if you turn your brain off. I've heard meddling reviews as well. Um, I did watch one other show, and and I actually do want to have a much more serious conversation about this. Oh boy. Uh. It's okay, Chris, because it's actually up in your alley of vein of fun stuff a little bit. Avatar uh, Last Airbender, live action. Uh, Creators no. walked out. No, I, I want to talk about the Umbrella Academy. Go ahead. Alex, I told you about this. <laughs> I know you that. Said you, you said you were watching it. I haven't watched it yet. So I finished the two seasons. Uh, good show. Great show, actually. Um has a lot of subtle anti-Semitism in it. <laughs> yeah, cool. we did talk about that. We did talk about that, yeah. Yes. Um, I also found out the guy who read, wrote the original comics was super, like, ultra-conservative and shit, and he, he was crazy. Oh, um, yeah, we, had a, 
interesting discussion about death of the artist and knowing anything about the person who created something does that taint the thing that's created it and we talked about how uh, what the example they gave about the anti-semitism in the show chris chris let, let, let's put you're an outside observer you haven't seen the show correct okay yeah okay. i have not seen so it there, for the first season i think i don't know if she keeps going this is what zach tells me uh yeah. the bad guy um is very old trying to kill people take over the world jump like that um, and she speaks a language. She can speak any language she wants, but she chooses to use Hebrew uh, throughout the show. Yiddish. 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 I haven't seen it, so Zach, uh, should we talk so, about so, that? So, to, to, to briefly tell you, Yiddish is a form of Hebrew that's mixed with Eastern European languages, so Cyrillic, Russian, uh, Polish, all that. And it it's where the, the term tuchus comes from. It's where the term oive comes from. Like any Jewish vernacular you've ever heard that's like kind of like just a vernacular, that's truly not Hebrew, it's Yiddish. Thank you, Zach. You're immense. Uh, so uh, the <laughs> and uh, that she's going around basically using Yiddish as her choice to be villainous with. Um, how do you think that that's an interesting choice? Chris, knowing that the guy who wrote it has said some anti-Semitism mystic remarks and uh, is ultra-conservative. The guy who wrote the comic, not the show. So that means the show made the choice to continue that. Neither Zach or I know if that's in the comic or not, but that is a choice they put in the show. I mean, it's certainly a yikes. Thank you. I agree with that. That's what I actually literally said. I think I literally said yikes when I heard that. But who do you yeah. think that, like, since we don't know if it's in the comic or not, we're too lazy to look it up within the days we've talked about this. If it's not in the comic, is it worse that it's in the show? Or would it be worse if it was in the comic and they <laughs> chose to put it in the show because the author was like, I'm right or die, it's got to be Yiddish. And they're like, yeah, all right, well, we got Ellen Page. <laughs> like, which, one's, which one's worse? I don't know. <laughs> I, it doesn't I, matter. I, we got Ellen Page. We filled what, the we filled the what, LGBTQ. To, to, to really, to really, actually, like, make it even more interesting is the showrunner of this show is actually a really great uh, writer. Uh, he he did uh, he did a lot of executive producing and writing on Fargo, which is a fantastic show. He did Legion. He did Altered Carbon. He's done Umbrella Academy. Uh, I think he also did a lot on Private Practice. That is the outlier there. That's weird. That's just a show about doctors having sex. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, he also did Bones. I mean, that's not saying that much. That's <laughs> about people solving murders, and then over a, an entire seasons-long arc, two people decide to, that they want to bone each other, then do, and nothing <laughs> changes. That's true. Like they, uh, no, but, 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 but the biggest things he's done is Fargo and Legion and Umbrella Academy. Those are the, the three big ones. He works a lot of sci-fi, and, and no one really has those kind of complaints, I'd say, so far. Um, although Legion did have a problem in its second season finale. But they also, people feel like they carried on from what that extreme idea was pretty well to the next season. But I, I think it's interesting. If someone has a history saying crappy stuff about a race, and then makes a, makes this thing, and then that idea is in your your TV show. Like, 
the people who made the show should have had some forethought, you would think. Like, you're making the show somebody in a, in a very interesting era where you need to look into the background of the person you're buying this property from. Like, hardcore. You need to do your work. Is yeah. It a couple, well, the, the, the other question is, is, how much did Steve Blackman actually have control over that? Over the fact that, like, uh, the writer Gerald Way literally said when he sold his rights to Netflix said it has to be this and or not. Well, uh, we don't know. Well, we don't now, hold know. on. Like, you don't even know if the issues in the comic. So this is what I'm like thinking. Okay. So like Netflix, like obviously they've like, they've made it public that their goal is to make the next Harry Potter or Star Wars or whatever. Yeah. So that in mind, I was thinking of when George Lucas sold the rights to Disney. He made some caveats. For he some gave cat- them a direction to go with for the sequel trilogy. Yes. And they said no. That was they said no to the creator of Star Wars. And they went in their own direction. Did, and we Disney, all know what happened Disney next. can do that. Netflix can't. <laughs> Wrong. I, I disagree. I, Netflix can do that. I disagree. Did we just shift over to Last Airbender? <laughs> no, no. No, we did not. We shifted what over. Saying is, is, can, can Netflix say no to something that will make them money? While well, Disney can definitely say no. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is they can change... That anti-Semitism. They can change that that aspect, is what I'm saying. Yeah, they had that opportunity. Is it because the writer stepped in and was like, no, it has to be what my comic is. If she's speaking that language, it's because of these reasons. Did they not look into his history or how the audience views him, how some people view him? Did they just think it was a thing that they could make big and not think any further from that? It's an interesting thing, especially since I don't know where the Yiddish thing started. If it's in the book, then it's in the book, and maybe the writer was like, do my book. And they were like, okay, yeah, it's good. It's fun. We don't see any problem with it. And then the back thing was like, they're like, this guy's a bit of an anti-Semite. And they're like, no, he's not. Oh, we put Yiddish in there. Uh-oh. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of things. Maybe they just didn't give a fuck. It's possible they just didn't give a fuck, too. That, that's it's interesting. It's all up in the air because we as detectives decided to give up and drink at a bar instead of look for clues. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh. Can't wait. I can't. Oh, uh, what? Got some surpri- I got some surprises for you when we talk about what we watched this week. So, anyway, go oh, on. Nice. So, Alex, uh, when we talked on Tuesday after Chris ditched us, sorry. Sorry, I overslept. It was a long day at work. Don't I don't want to get into it. Don't even talk to me about long days at work, kiddo. <laughs> you don't even lift heavy boxes. Just man, Zach, you're the you're the flakiest one. You always have good reasons, <laughs> but you do it the most, buddy. That's true. I am the flakiest I'm, one. Hey, I still hold the most irritating position of getting drunk on air. So like, <laughs> that boy. was one time. That was yeah. great. It makes it, it adds up to like four annoying times. Is what I'm saying. Like, uh, <laughs> any, anyways, anyway, anyways. Um, so Alex and I talked about one other thing, and this is the one me and Alex actually want to 
have much more of a real conversation about. Okay. <laughs> watch it. We didn't watch it yet. We haven't watched it yet. I want to emphasize this, but we did have a very. I mean, I have, but we haven't rewatched it yet for the reason that we want to rewatch it. I'm pronoun. Yeah. So we're gonna talk. We're still talking about news, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll we're, we're kind of pivoting. Yes, this is news. It's not. Um, I'm just gonna cut it, Zach. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting cutting the news. We're cutting the baby cord right now. Um, I him and I were talking about American Horror Story. I'm really coming on board of like really appreciating that show more. But also the season cult, the season cult, which is an absolute 110% reaction to Donald Trump winning the election, and how just like how it can be viewed four years later and the job he did, like it's gonna it's gonna go down as the best season of the show. It also like drained the people who made it, and they had to make a super fun season afterwards. Like this took a lot out of them because of how like earnest they felt about those results. So Zach and I were talking about watching it again with the election coming soon and how and how whatever the election turns out to be whether it's postponed or like trump wins or biden wins doesn't matter that that is the show we would be watching it with and it's just it's american horror story it's meant to freak you out and make you feel unsettled and it's highly political and it's really it has a it leaves a bitter taste in the in your mouth by the end so (laughs) Uh, dude that that specific one I, i was telling alex though that um I don't think I'm going to watch it until after I know the results because I am like that flabbergasted about like, like I've seen the season already. So I like know the general plot line and all that, but it's just like, it's so vivid and so scary, dude. Like it's real. It's not like it's scary because it's real, not because it's like fun. haha horror that like the vast majority of, of the show is the vast majority of the show is just fun. haha like poke fun at like different horror Jonas, but cult is just like so real and so scary. Like, it's it's a legit reaction to the fears that people had in real life, but also yeah. like clowns are running around. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, there's there's also clowns running around killing people. There's that too, I guess. It, it, it was made it was made during the like whole clown epidemic where like clowns were running around neighborhoods scaring people for no fucking reason. And like we, I, and the whole point is, remember when we were all scared of that? And it's like every day is a nightmare now in 2020. So and, like watching that season and being like, we have legitimate fears about Donald Trump, and but they're they're making fun of that of people who are like, Donald Trump won, so the world is going to be over, and the show is making fun of that because it just happened. They're like, okay, people, calm down, All right? It's just the president, whatever. And then they're like running around being like the clowns scaring people. That's kind of creepy too, and all these other things. And at the end of the day, you're like, no, they were right. They were legit right to be afraid, and a lot of people died, American Horror Story style. So, uh, it's that's Dude. a crazy thing to go back and watch again uh for halloween and the election and stuff so it, it really does all work dude like so loki i i think american horror story is gonna go down as one of the greatest shows of all time just because I'm starting to go that way now too it's it's, it's definitely so it's... crazy like beyond the fact that cult is just for an 11 episode series just like so real but like beyond that like the other scenes are just so a lot of them are a lot of fun. I haven't. I'm not caught up, sadly. Uh, but I, I need to. I need to watch season nine at some point. But for for everything that they do wrong, they do a million things right. Or That's on true. top of that, five or six things um, immaculately. 
So uh, I think it's going to go down pretty great. But like that's that's something that Zach and I will probably come back to as we continue on the road to the presidency. Yeah. Is that a new se- is that a new segment on our show now? No, I no. Know you- Alex and Zach starring oh. in the road to the presidency. <laughs> we'll be riding in a horse buggy and it'll be cold and chilly and fog will be out the window. We'll is this tell- going to be like Robin Williams in Man of the Year, where Alex runs for president? Always. Oh, I mean, I'm not running for president. I assumed I already had it in the bag. Oh my god! Vote for Robles. He will not let you down in the robe department. I didn't realize that I'm actually looking at um the cast from season I nine. I thought that you Alex, didn't see any robes. Al- Alex. <laughs> I, Alex. Vote for me. Alex. <laughs> he got Ooh. Matt Morrison for season nine. I don't know who's Matt Morrison. He was in Glee. I never watched Glee. He was the lead. I thought Finn Wolfhart was the lead. Well, he was the the teacher, the adult lead. Oh yeah, the teacher. I forgot yeah. he was the lead. Um. Uh. Good. Good. Let's see him get murdered. Let's yeah. see him do stuff. Let's see him sing and then get murdered. Love it. Love every every second of it. <laughs> what? That's what I love about Ryan Murphy. He picks uh, his friends. The, 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 the other thing, Chris, is that like Carrie Fisher's daughter is a lead in the show. She's she's been a lead, I think, for four yep, seasons, that. three or four seasons now. I think her call was her premiere, if I remember correctly. I so. I think so. God, that's crazy. Yep, Billy Billy Lord is the new was one became one of the new leads. That's wow. Anyway. I'm silent about Billy Lord and the <laughs> American Horror Story. She slipped out of room. Hey, nice. All right, next story. Um, I don't have any other news story. The, the Avatar creators. They left the show. Like, yeah. Okay. So, my God. Okay. I was mildly interested, and now I'm like, oh no. Well, let, let me ask you this: Have uh, have they made anything in live action ever? No, they were have not they, involved with M Night's movie. Did, well, have they made? I mean, on their own, like, have no, they ever they have been not. involved in any of their shows being in a live action adaptation? Any other they shows? Not. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. They have not. So I here's the thing. Um, the creative differences part is always very interesting to me if both the people involved have worked in both mediums of their field. If these guys haven't worked in live action before, there's a very good possibility that they were just trying to be so specific about how they told those stories that the live action people were like, we just don't have the money for that. We can't do that. Or the creative choices from Nickel- from Netflix were like, uh, we want to do these things differently. We want to have young people. We want to have saps and violence and stuff. And we'll make this game of thrones. Uh, and they were like, ah, oh, that's stupid. And we're leaving. There's two ways this, that this could go. But if they haven't done anything in live action, it could have been as simple as they are taking out things we feel are important 
because they took the time to put that in their story. Whereas the live action one is we only have enough money to make a certain amount of episodes and we can't tell the whole story. We have to chop some stuff out. We can't do this kind of bending. We, we have to cut some, we have to trim some fat here. And it's either or. And as time goes by, we'll find out. But I think the, the moment we know for sure which way the scale is going to tip is when we see any live action footage, period. The, the, like the, the standard is so low for live action Last Airbender. Like, the bar is really low. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But oh, yeah, here we is. are. I keep forgetting that this is a movie. Um, uh, I was just like, <laughs> what do we gotta do? Wheel, uh, I am begging you, land on it now. I want it. You hear me, Wheel? Thing, I want it. The thing about uh, the thing that we were that Zach and I were also talking about is um, he, uh, that they made a live action version and they weren't involved with it, and look what happened. I think they would have called a lot of the problems that N Night made at the straight out the gate. But like straight out the gate, the biggest problem is it shouldn't have been a movie. It should have been live action Netflix thing, but no one really thought in those terms yet when the movie was coming out. And then the second biggest thing is it shouldn't have been M Night. But I have a lot of faith in a lot of the people who make stuff nowadays and how it can look and how it can be. But like, I don't know who's making this now. I, now that the people who originally aren't in at all, I don't know who's overseeing this period, like who's producing it or filming it or directing it or writing it. Uh, if I did, I'd have a better idea as to whether it would be going a certain direction or not. But I, the only the only background person we know is Jeremy Zuckerman, who is composing the music hey. for the original show. Also, is composing the music for this one. We don't know anyone who's producing it or anything. That's weird. They were uh, the original creators. We're set to be the executive producers and showrunners. They have left since. They gotta find. I, yeah, else. I think I think that because they've never made anything live action, they probably butted heads. But the fa the fact that they butted heads so hard that they were like, "Well, we don't want anything to do with it." Well, I mean, okay. If you're well, in it, make more animated stuff. Why are you getting so? Like, I understand your fans got hurt by the last one and they want to be involved because they weren't involved with the last one. That's fine. Um, and if they make it clear that they came in with their ideas and Netflix wouldn't take it, so they're off the table in terms of being a part of it at all, period. So they don't take responsibility for any choices that Netflix makes. So they, they, they wrote an open letter. I'm going to read it if you guys don't mind. One of them wrote an open letter on their blog and yep. then another one made an Instagram post that was a little more honest. Okay, then I want both of you guys to read it in the voices you think these guys sound like. Oh, uh, uh, no, no. I'm gonna do. Gonna I'm gonna do the Michael. Demon. I'm gonna do the blog post, and then we can talk about the Instagram one. Um, so the blog post starts as as many of you have been asking me for updates about the Avatar live action Netflix series. I can finally tell you, I am no longer involved with the project. In June of this year, after two years of development, Brian, uh, Brian, and I made the difficult decision to leave the production. When Brian and I signed on to the project in 2018, we were hired as executive producers and showrunners. In a joint announcement for the series, Netflix said that it was committed to honoring our vision for this retelling and supporting us on creating the series. As we expressed how excited we were for the opportunity to be at the helm, unfortunately, things did not go as we had hoped. 
look, things happen, productions are challenging, unforeseen events arise, and plans have to be changed. And when those things have happened at any other points during my career, I try to be like the an air nomad and adapt. I do my best to go with the flow no matter what obstacle is put in my way. But even an air nomad knows when it's time to cut their losses and move on. I started to reevaluate what was truly important in my life and what I wanted to do with what's left of it. I took some advice from Uncle Iroh and I looked inward and started asking myself the big question. Who are you and what do you want? I also sought wisdom from the Stoic philosophers who were big on differentiating between what is within Not our control and what is who was wrong God. i realized I'm i couldn't trying to control... find the instagram post i'm realized i couldn't control the creative direction of the series but i could control how i responded so i chose to lead the project it was the hardest professional decision i've ever had to make and certainly not one that i took lightly but it was necessary for my happiness and my creative integrity and who knows, Netflix's live-action adaptation of Avatar has the potential to be good. It might turn out to be the show many of you end up enjoying. But what I can be certain about is whatever version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make. I also want yeah. to be clear that this does not mean the end of my involvement with the Avatar universe. These story, blah, 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 talking about the story stuff. Writing this letter has left me very heavy heart. As I know many of you will be disappointed and frustrated by the news. I get it. I share your disappointment. Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes life is like a dark tunnel. You can't always see the light at the end, but if you just keep moving, you'll come to a better place. May we all keep moving to a better place. Thanks for reading. Continue your enthusiasm. With gratitude, Michael Dante DiMartino. Alright. Uh, okay. I, I wow! I haven't Didn't been... need to read all that. Sorry. Uh, so, what, Does anybody know where the Instagram one is? I, Figuring it out, because it's like... I'll go find it. <laughs> all right, it's then somewhere. But hold on, I have an idea. I have an idea. Yeah. You said it's on Instagram or is it on somewhere else? Apparently, they said it was on. They said it was on Instagram. But hold on, I I, I got it. it. I found it. No, you didn't. Oh. Yeah, I did. They're looking, they're searching, they're looking for creators of avatar, of avatar, of avatar to come up with opinions, opinions, and thoughts about why Chris, they I'll just post it fucked to you. up production. It was such a fucked up production. Fuck Netflix. There you go, Chris. It's a fucked up Oh, here we go. I don't know. I wasn't there. Did you just yell? Whoa. No, let me okay. look at the friggin'. Okay, it's a, wait, wait. It's the second image. I know, but it's not letting me. Yeah, you have to log oh. in. Yes, who has? Wow, who has? Just riveting stuff. Who has? No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Okay, I don't need this uh, right now. So well, anyway, okay. Zach, if you have it, you can. Re All right, I have it. Give me that. Go I on. have it. Before I get Got to the crux of this statement, I'd like to make it clear that I am very aware and appreciative of the fact that I am. Ex Seemingly fortunate position and have the following issues are indeed good problems to have. Even more so now that we are in the grips of a global pandemic and, cater and cratering economy, which have left millions unemployed and in crucial context. Here's the big news from my little world. Michael DiMartino and I chose to leave the Netflix live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender, the series he and I created in 2002. We'll have no involvement in the project going forward. That's it. That is certainly more honest and... In the sense that it's just the plain facts that we could have gotten anywhere else. 
I mean, the other guy, like, I guess the floweriness of that was the appropriate thing that the fans maybe needed. Maybe he needed to get fired because he read the other guy and he's like, dude, they just, they already, ugh. All right, I'm going to have to make this flourish. <laughs> I'm going to have to really go to town on this thing because we got to be vague. I honestly think that they were promised the showrunner thing. They came in and were like, this is how we want to do it. And Netflix was like, that, um, we're not, mm, I don't know if we can do that, boys. And they were like, well, Game of Thrones just went to shit because the creator didn't know. We're not letting you Game of Thrones and putting this in the hands of other people. And I think they were like, look, I just, we can't do it. We gotta, we've got people who are like, know how to make this better in like they've shot live action before like let us do and they just probably were like well we just don't it that's not the way we want to see it it's it reminds me of when like i'm not saying that whoever's making this is the equivalent of kubrick and i'm not saying this is anywhere near it but it does remind me of the situation that kubrick hates the shining by or that uh stephen king hates kubrick's shining he hates it Kubrick's Shining is a masterpiece of horror, and it really does understand the themes of the book pretty well, that it can tell its own version of it uh, effectively. Uh, Stephen King would later go on and make a miniseries on sci-fi starring Stephen Weber that's like, that has everything in the book that he wanted in the movie, like including monsters that come out of shrubbery, and you know, a, a redemption arc for the dad, and all this other stuff that just Kubrick wasn't interested in. And King stepped in and made his own thing on his own terms. And I don't think he's ever really accepted the fact that Kubrick's is the better version in terms of like visual mediums. It'll always be better just because of when it came out and what it did for other movies. So it's just never going to work for him. Um, I feel like that's the case here. Like they walked in and they were like, well, this is how we want to do it. And Netflix was like, well, we just don't really, we can't really, all that stuff isn't going to just, we got it, we got it. And they were like, mm, no, we want to do it this way. And if not, we're going to leave. And Netflix was like, okay, bye-bye. Well, the fans are pissed. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, the again, the fans should wait until they see who's making it and what the footage is. Because I guarantee you if the fans were just like, I don't care who makes it doesn't matter who makes it all together. And then Steven Spielberg comes up and he's like, you know what? I want to make it. And people would be like, if, uh, if, if the guy who, if John Favreau stepped up and he was like, I want to produce it and I want to get like Taika and all these other people to come in, you know, and they were, people would shut the fuck up then. It's too early. Yeah. I, I, I think these creators had a very, have a very specific vision having the movie made and having this new resurgence come up on Netflix. New generations are watching it. They have the wave behind them, and they think, if this is our opportunity to do it on our terms, we're going to do it. But they haven't made anything live action before, and I, I just don't think Netflix was, was really prepared to make their vision with the way money is going now these days. So, you know, they have to contest against Amazon, who just spent a billion dollars on making a Lord of the Rings show. So people, these streaming services are trying to find the thing that's going to compete with that. So I, I, I think they felt that this was going to be it, especially since Fooly, not, not Fooly Fooly, but uh, Cowboy Bebop got put aside, too, after um, uh, the guy who was going to play John Cho hurt his back. Six months out of commission. So... Oh, Chris, I, I need to give you my weekly reminder. 
Tenet is indefinitely canceled. Even in Europe? Even in Europe. Wow, I didn't hear that. Wow. Okay, yeah. so... um. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> um... News? Because no, I of that news? Out. I kicked him out. Um... Rude. You're that, so... mad, that mad about Tenet? <laughs> if I just if I told you know what the news, if we don't I have to talk about what I watched this week we don't have to we don't no, have to no, talk no, no, about no, what I watched this I, week I have a great movie that I need to tell you I watched it this time and you're going to like the idea of it. don't want to know anymore I don't want to know no Chris you do want to know come on no actually I don't yes you do my mood's been ruined it's about religion nope it's about fear. It's not the Warriors, I know. Um, <laughs> it is not the Warriors, no. But no, I'm not, no, I'm not in the mood. Because, like, you Come can thank Zach for that. Chris, no. Chris, don't, it's, not, it's not our fault. We just told you. Don't shoot the messenger. I have, like, it's like the messenger came... And then left, and then came back again just to rub it in. I, I, just to rub it in, I just found out like you did right now. Well, guess what, reacting. Zach? Your Witcher season two ain't coming out anytime soon. Any, anywho. They're starting shooting next week. Oh, wow. What are you talking about? They're starting to pull on me. Am I really going to have to pull on me? There's, Chris, there's two people that you have to blame for this. That's A, honestly, well, three people, I would say. Trump, uh, the president of Brazil, for sure. Those numbers really made things worse, uh, even in Europe. Uh, and uh, Nolan. Nolan is the only one who says he doesn't want to put it anywhere other than the theater. He's the one who won't cave. And if you want to say that's him saving the theaters, then sure, I kind of agree. And if you want to stick to his guns, I'm fine with waiting. But you as an avid fan are hurt by this, and I get that. But he's the one making the decision. He's the one making it so you can't go, you can't rent it right now. And put a projector up in your room and watch it on a big old wall uh, like a movie theater. On the topic of movie theaters, fifteen cent movie tickets on Wednesday. Wow, that is messed up. That's yeah. so great. I'm so excited. One day only. Welcome back. <sighs> There's some that I'm gonna have to go to this fall that I'm just gonna have to for the other cast, but. Uh, I'm very scared. I'm. I'm. I have. I want to research theaters and do the best I can to figure out which ones to go to. The 15 cents on Wednesday. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, yeah, it's it's. Chris, Sorry, I had to say that. That was like the one thing was the 15 cent tickets on Wednesday. You have to, you have to think about it this way, Chris. Christopher <laughs> Nolan is trying to save movie theaters, and his movie Tenet can do that. Yes, you want to see it, but he can use this thing to save theaters. Let him do it. I'm not like, like, here's the thing. I want to see it in theaters, and I'm perfectly, you know, I'm, at this point, I'm fine waiting. I'm okay with waiting. Okay? Like, I'm okay with it. He just Are doesn't want to be reminded that he has to wait. I just don't want to be reminded that I have to wait, because I'm already waiting. Well, Chris, that's 
you know, we're on a podcast talking about movies. So ah! any any other time I will give you that, and that's fine. You know, you're passionate about movies. It's your real life. And if you don't want me to, like, have a counter on my clock and then once a day call you and be like, hey, Chris, what's up? I was just, you know, thinking about you and 10 is going to be. Yeah, that would be a terrible thing to do. And I wouldn't do that. But we're on a podcast. And, you know, we're this is the thing we talk about movies on. And I didn't know that. We already but, talked about it. I didn't know that it was it was canceled indefinitely. I thought it was going to be opening in Europe in, like, a week or so, honestly. I honestly didn't know it had been pulled out entirely. Yeah, uh, Amer- America's the one that fucked it up and made it canceled indefinitely, unfortunately. America being the second biggest market in the world right now. America trying to other reasons. Sorry, Chris. No, you're not. You're not sorry. If you were, no, no, dude, if you were actually sorry, you wouldn't have brought it up. That's not true. We're a movie podcast. We already knew it was indefinitely just canceled. I did not know that. Ugh. I didn't know that. I honestly didn't look up the news that much today. I'm on, well, I'm, I did. I knew. Schedule. I already I knew. Not, I did not know that. Okay, so Chris, fine. I guess my journey is to hopefully get you to feel less depressed about this. But, I mean, you are who you are and I can't change you. I just gotta love you for who you are, except for right now. I hate this and I hate you for it. You're a piece of shit. I went too far. Okay, so I retract. I'm gonna backstep. I'm gonna breathe. Fuck you. I mean, breathe. Breathe. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so like, uh, it does suck. I didn't know that we were gonna talk about that on the other show, and I am interested in seeing it. My sister loves time travel. I love time travel. This stuff's really great. And it's, I, not, t- it's not even time travel. It's... Uh, from what I can tell, uh, it looked like it. And I haven't done any research because I don't want to be spoiled. Uh, so if it's not, fuck you, Chris. I'm spoiling them right now. And I, want to I talk don't about think it's time. It. Uh, I, people, I actually have seen a, uh, have my article that's like it's not time to travel all stuff. So I'm, I'm, no one really knows what, it, uh, what it's about from my perspective at this point. If other people do, if the new trailer came out and knows more stuff, I just I haven't looked at it. So. Um, I'm excited. I am, but like, I don't. I mean, I'm not that as into Nolan as you are. I think his movies are great, but I'm not like stoked to see him do it. I am. I do love the fact that he's fighting for theaters, because that that is. I do want to be able to go see them. They're having 15 cent Wednesday days. That's that's crazy, and he wants to help. That I I appreciate that. He still shoots his stuff on film, man. Like he cares about the medium that I love every aspect of i mean i i i breathe this stuff every any if i'm not working or if i'm god forbid sleeping or talking to my family i'm watching movies and talking about movies and researching about movies i love so i i I get it i really do i i i uh my cap goes off to him but yeah it does suck when we're so close to it and you want to see it if you're an avid fan like if i know if i knew that david lynch had made that return to twin peaks and that all 18 stuff was done, but they couldn't premiere it because of this. For some reason, like, Showtime just couldn't show it, and he was waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, it would suck. It would absolutely suck. I, I, I admit that I would be just as upset. Yeah, but I also think that there's at least a silver lining here that I hope you can see, because it, it seems like no one's trying to do something good with it and not just make money. 
I am waiting patiently. I, I did see on Twitter that he said, as much as I'm doing this for the theaters, and as much as I hate to do this for my fans, fuck Chris Rose. I saw it. I totally did. He's there. <laughs> and you have to do it in a British accent, so I didn't. I'm sorry. I've got to do it again. All right, so as much as I'm doing this for the fans, as much as I'm doing this for the theaters, fuck Chris Rose. You have to say it like, Rose. You gotta do in that Robert Pattinson accent. Because he looks like ah. no one in that movie. I'm a vampire. See, this, uh, this is kind of a killer bell. Um, all right, so since you are still reeling from this, can I tell you what I watched? And maybe you'll get in the mood to talk about what you watched. I don't know. Zach pretty put a damper on my mood by bringing that Well, up. you're going to have to get up on it because I want to know what you thought about Mad Max. And if you tell me it sucks, I'm going to punch you in the face from this tree. From this tree, <laughs> I'm going to punch your face. It might not what even you, be Ms. my... Marvel? Uh, Stretch Armstrong. Captain Fantastic, no, Mr. Fantastic, Captain Fantastic. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I um, watched a movie called Stalker. Uh, do you know anything about it, Zach? Did you ever hear that? No. Do you, know any, do you know anything by a guy named Tarkovsky? Have you heard that name? I've never heard of the name, but I might know what he's done. His most famous is Stalker, but uh, he's a... F- He's a Russian filmmaker. Uh, he's an abstract filmmaker. He's made like seven films. He's like the Russian P.T. Anderson. Like all of Andre, his films are... Andre Tarkovsky. There you go. Uh, he, everyone thinks that all his films are masterpieces, and then he passed away from cancer. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to see Stalker, and then we watched Atomic Blonde for the other show, and they have a fight scene while Stalker is being played on a screen in the background. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm just going to watch it. And I watched it. And it's about a guy who is called a stalker. He has no name, really, just stalker. He has a wife and he has a kid. And he um, has a job where he goes to, he takes people to a place to find a room where their dreams can come true. It's in a zone that has been either hit by a meteorite or landed by aliens, but it's made this, it's, it's now an uninhabitable place and it's called the zone and he takes people there. It's very much like, um, uh, annihilation. Zach, it's actually okay. a lot like annihilation. Um, and the movie starts with him having his wife and his kid, his wife doesn't want him to go because it's so easy that he could get caught or thrown in jail. But there's two, these two guys that he's taking across the way and they are, um, a teacher, like, a um, a professor, um, very factual things about science all the time. And then a writer who's very philosophical and, you know, talks with his emotions. He's not really a factual guy, but he's, you know, he's skeptical uh, because he's very knowledgeable about other things, abstract things. Uh, And then there's the stalker. Stalker has been raised to take people into the zone, past the military, and get to the center of it where this place is. It's a house where people can go. And if you go there and you um, believe and you enter you have you can have your dreams come true so he takes them there and everything up to when they get to the zone is shot in like wizard of oz sepia brown like old-fashioned footage it looks like okay. like a silent film but not necessarily german expressionism uh okay. just when they get to the zone it's, it turns to color it gets beautiful and smoky and fall like and and every sound it's uh, meshed in with the soundtracks, so the sound design is unbelievable. But it's it's very slow. It's very calm. 
has a very slow pace. There is not one shot that is less than 60 seconds. A lot of walking. Um, it's very unsettling. Apparently, when you go to the zone, you uh, can't go straight to where you want to go. It, can, it changes every minute. What you need to do is to take these bolts that the stalker has, and he ties a string to them. He just kind of goes with his gut, throws the bolt, and then he goes to where the bolt is, and then he does it time and time, and it always leads him down the same path uh, to get there because he's just going with his gut rather than going a straight way. If you go a straight way, you'll get lost, and then the zone will fuck with you until it kills you. Um, so he takes these two guys all the way there, and he gets them to the point of the house, and he's like, all you have to do is go in, but you have to believe. You have to believe it. But what they're looking at is like a dilapidated empty house. He's like, you just have to walk straight, and there it is. And you have this, like, the doctor's going to blow it up with a bomb. And then you have this, like, writer who's like, I, I, don't, I don't deserve to go in there in the first place. And it, they don't believe him, really. And he's like, you're not going to go in? They're like, nah, there's no point. What? <laughs> Who would really want to go here? You just go here. You take people here so that you could feel them control. You take people here because here you're mysterious and enigmatic. And you can, you know, you have power here. It's just another form of control for you. You're a nothing out there, but here you're, you know, big. And then he takes him back and he goes back to his wife. They pay him, but they don't get what they want. They don't believe him enough to go in the house. Uh, and um, he goes home. He's sick because of the being in the zone is bad for you. His wife um, uh, takes care of him and she pities him. And she takes some time after he kind of takes a nap. He's like, they didn't believe me. I, I tried to help them, but they, you know, they didn't. Uh, why? What is the point? Like, I keep taking people to the zone, and they don't. I don't know what to do. And she just keeps patting his head, and she's like, "Shh, it's okay, it's okay." Then she turns to the camera, and she talks about how she could have made a decision to not be with him. She knew what kind of man he was, what kind of life he had, but she still did it anyway, and she wouldn't change it for anything. She loves her life, despite the fact that even their daughter, because of him going to the zone was born a mutant doesn't have legs and can't walk. Oh, well, she has legs, but she just can't use them. Um, and the film ends with her sitting down at a table with like three glasses on it. And she's just staring at him, just really just like staring at him with no expression. And then all of a sudden the glasses start to move and she knocks all three of them off the table with her mind and the movie cuts. And I was like, all right, it was beautiful kind of don't know what i just watched but it made me think throughout the entire time as i was watching it everything that i was watching i was thinking about something i didn't really care about the characters because i just thought those two guys are kind of dicks but i liked stalker then i went to renegade cut on youtube and he laid it all out and the, the director laid it all out too it's a story about a world without faith and the stalker believes that the room which is real and the zone, which is real, uh, are proof of God. And that he took two educated people, one who's all about science and a man who's all about um, the brain and just how people work emotionally, like a psychiatrist. Both of them are supposed to represent, to a certain extent, atheism. And he's like, I brought you here, and all you have to do is believe. You've gone this journey with me. All you have to do is believe. And they can't. There's several times in the film where, like, He's like, all you have to do is walk down this tunnel. There's like a three-minute scene where you watch one of the guys walk down a tunnel. It's scary. You don't know what's going to happen, but he still makes it. And it's what it's supposed to represent what the world would feel like if there was no faith in it. 
and it totally changed the way that I viewed the film after that. I was like, God, oh, and then I was thinking, why the girl? And then Renegade Cut the Variant was like, the meek shall inherit the earth. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Why does the wife feel act that way? She represents God and a, a benevolent God, someone who, it, it, it's not about them not believing. It's about, they should be pitied. They shouldn't be hated. Like, it's just all of it was there. I was like, oh my God, so good. I highly recommend if you're looking for something abstract, weird, calm, and quiet. But that's exactly what that film is. It's about a guy trying to take people to believe in something to this, to even when he takes them there to show them that this is what it is, that this is what it can do. And this is what it can be for somebody. They still don't believe it. And they walk away and he's like, I, I'm wandering through life and these people don't believe what I, I can help them with this, that I can change their lives. And she's like, that's not the point. But like you're trying, keep trying. Don't stop. One day you'll find somebody and you'll change their life. And one person, one person is all it takes. I was like, God, man, good movie. Anyway, I highly recommend okay. Stalker. Okay, you piqued my interest. <laughs> you piqued my interest. Right. Yeah. I know you've been looking for weird films about faith. I had no idea walking in. Uh, it totally was the key I needed after I watched the movie. If I'd known that going into the movie, it would have made it a much more interesting experience. Knowing that is the thing that unlocked everything in my brain. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, it was like. It was like that scene at the usual suspects at the end where he looks at the board and he realizes he's been lied to the whole time. He's like, oh, my God, all the pieces will come again. It was great. I was like, oh, man, well done. Okay, and yeah, you did, piqued my interest. What, what did you watch, huh? Zach, what did you watch? Uh, Umbrella Academy and the movie we were supposed to watch for the week. Cool. Um... What the heck didn't I watch? Um, oh, wow. So I followed up on what I said last episode. I did see Last Crusade in theaters. Good man. Great. Um, Good shit. Then I did something that I didn't think was possible anymore. I thought I had missed my window. I went and saw Empire Strikes Back in a movie theater. Oh, because it came back to it came back to Willow Creek. That's a good I was one. Like, Jumping, um, <laughs> and I have to watch the Last Jedi again. But there were a lot of parallels that I did not see before. Um. And, like, I think it might just, I think, yeah, I think Empire might be the best made Star Wars movie to this point. The best made, yeah, the well, the most well made, yes, I agree. I still think there's something special about Star Wars that's magical, regardless of, like, uh, any faults it may have, but... Um, I, Empire is the most well-made one, yes. I, I well, yes. I would say the the most well-made and effective one, yeah. I mean, of course, like the later films would have CGI and better special effects and better production value and stuff like that. Like anything, in the last three movies is is just beautiful. But um, Empire for its time and the effect it still has nowadays, I agree with you. Yeah, it's a good call. 
Um, I think I mentioned this before. No, I don't think I did. I did go ahead one night and on a work night where I was supposed to wake up in the morning. I was like, you know what? Treasure Planet, Kung Fu Panda 2. Why the heck not? So I watched those again. Uh Um, Treasure Planet again, I think. Well, there there was Emperor's New Groove, but... Besides Emperor's Did New Groove, you, I think it's like... Sorry, what? Did you listen to our app afterwards? And uh, No, I did not. Um, I, I, I feel... I don't know if we gave that, if I gave that movie a fair shake. I would go back and listen to see if I was being a pansy about it. Um, so... Like, there's like the transition year. The transition years were like... After The Lion King... And, like, before The Incredibles, there was, like, this transition period with Disney animation. Like, like Pixar wasn't owned by Disney yet, because I don't think Toy Story was uh, Disney yet. Um, it, I don't know. I think Pixar made Toy Story, and then, they, then Disney bought them. Um, but, like... I think, like... Because there's still that transition period where people were where uh, they were going from 2D animation to 3D animation, um, and I there was like Tarzan and Atlantis Lost Empire, and there was Treasure Planet. I think Treasure Planet is the better of the three. Um, I'd have to go back and watch Tarzan and Atlantis Lost Empire, but. I think Treasure Planet is the best out of three. It's at least my favorite. Um, in terms of Kung Fu Panda 2, it might just be one of the most influential movies for me. Like, so help me God if I keep making stuff. Like, I think that's going to be one of those movies that I like that. Crazy enough, because I am super young. Um,. This really exposes my youth or lack thereof. Um, but I, I just think that, like, gosh, the way that the way the movie looks, the way its story flows and like it's told, and just the story itself, just like it got me that second. I was like, okay, yeah, this is something that's gonna that's gonna stick with that that still sticks with me. Um. It's an animated movie made in 2011. I still never understand why it won over Rango. That'll never, I'll never get over that. Even as much as you tell me it, that Rango is a better movie. Anyway, um, I mean, I, I, let me put it this way: I, I, I think Kung Fu Panda Two is very good. It's not original, but it does tell its story very, very well and very effectively. And obviously, it had a major effect on you. And I haven't watched it in a while, so. Going back to it is going to be really interesting, especially when we get to it on our app. Why Rango is better? Um, I think the animation is better. Um, and Johnny the very Depp. Fact, Johnny oh, Depp is don't better. give me that! I also think Gary Oldman and Jack Black and Angelina Jolie are very good. I also think James... Bill Nye? Uh, the science guy? Uh, no, I, David Jones. Yes, but my point about Rango is they actually recorded the lines with the actors performing it on a stage together. So yeah. they actually performed it and then that helped with the animation the other way around. There's a lot of things which is why Rango I think is a more 
interesting story and movie than Kung Fu Panda, but I don't think that it belittles Kung Fu Panda at all. I think they were they both have interesting reasons why they could be considered um, the best. I think the one thing about Rango that has above Kung Fu Panda 2 in terms of the Academy is Kung Fu Panda 2 is uh, highly inspired by other cultures, whereas like Rango is a Western, an American culture, an American genre made by American filmmakers. So that's going to help him a little bit, I would think. Um, but I did it's learn. Not, neither are bad. I did learn a fun little thing of trivia. Uh, right now, Patty Jenkins is the direct, is the, okay, so how do I phrase this? So, Jenkins directed Wonder Woman, and it's the highest grossing movie directed by a woman. You want to know what who held that record before? Who? Jennifer U. Nelson, director of Kung Fu Panda 2. Hmm. Blew my mind. I'm like, oh, that's freaking right, isn't it? Wow. It should be somebody. I would um, say up in the, up there, you'd think in a se- another serious movie would be up there. Yeah. But, Alex, this one's the kicker. I promise this is the last one. Unless I remember something else. This is the kicker. Mm-hmm. I watched Knives Out. Holy butt monkey. <laughs> oh my god, that was so good. <laughs> I, I thought it I thought you got to it um a little bit sooner than that. Um well what did you think? Oh my gosh, it was so good. Like Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. may be my my favorite director working today. <laughs> Not Chris I, Nolan. Oh like he's like he's 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 rising through the ranks. After I saw Knives Out, I'm like, I need to see Last Jedi again. I I think I'm falling in love with this guy. <laughs> I basically want to go back to Brick again. Like I watched that a lot. Love that movie. Um, but yeah, it's just like, oh gosh, like, and you still got to see Looper. No, for the podcast, yes. Well, I've seen Looper. Leading yeah. up to the Last Jedi, we, we talked about it. Um, this rat. So, like, obviously, like it earned its nomination for Best Original Screenplay. I think. Um, also, Daniel Craig is awesome. Everybody in this movie is awesome. Um, even Captain America. Even Captain America. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Whew. Man. Well, I'm like, oh god. I'm sorry. That I'm, I'm gushing now. I'm gushing. <laughs> I'm letting it. So, it was so good. Um like and I kind of got swept. I thought it would be like in the beginning, I kind of got swept up in okay, this is a lot of details, but then I quick I quickly I was like I think I learned from Maltese Falcon, so I may have to go. I may have to go back and watch that again. But I quickly pulled myself out. I was like, "Okay, they're only telling you one thing. Like, you like, you could simplify it down. Like, you don't need like this is just like these are details, but it could be simplified down to like, like this is who, this is who, Mister Thornby was. Um, interesting, interesting take. I, yes, I think 
I think Maltese is still more confusing than Knives Out was, but the more you watch it, the more clarity it comes. I like the fact that the more you're watching complicated, wordy scripts, you're like, I kind of want to go back to other ones and see where they like what I miss and stuff like that. That's what I do all the time. Like, I love watching something and being like, oh man, I didn't like that thing a couple of years ago. I should go back and, and do it. I, I did that recently for Project. Uh, Power, the guys who made that made the paranormal activity movies. I went back to the third one that they made, and I was like, "This is actually this isn't bad. Like this is actually a decent horror movie." I can't believe I was as judgmental as I was. Like, well, now that I know more about them, I'm more intrigued. Um. Also, yeah, I think that for the first uh, bit of the movie, they are throwing a lot at you, but then when they really throw stuff at you, then it's like, "What are we gonna do?" Like, it's all, like, guttural because you're going with her. And her, like, she's just... That's what I didn't expect! It follows her! I was like... I just thought, like, okay. I was taken aback by that. Like, this is how... This is how he died. They, like, Ryan Johnson gives you that up front. This is how he died. And makes you think it's one movie. But it's still the first... It's still the movie you were, like... And then at the end, it comes back around. Oh, my God. So, you know, I guess you could say, Chris, he was undercutting expectations of genre. Yes. Um, so I was like, okay, how did he make this? I got to know. I looked up videos about coming from Ryan Johnson's own mouth about how he made this. I watched a video on how he shot and wrote the... Um, this, the fir- the the scene where they all find out that Ransom was out. Zach, have you seen the movie? Zach is asleep. Okay. So... I'm here. What are you talking about? <laughs> Zach, wake up. Um, all right. Have you seen the movie? Knives Out? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the se- Spoiler alerts, everybody. So when the movie... So when Ransom... Fa- when they all find out that Ransom was out of the will. That scene in that room. Yeah. Right before the will is about to be read. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke that scene down, and I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. There's no way he didn't he didn't make he didn't make any mistakes in Last Jedi. Like no, that he, he that he couldn't avoid that like he didn't like if he did make a mistake, I don't think he could avoid it. Um everything he did everything he did in that movie was intentional. Yes, that's that's the one argument I don't like. Like when people are like, "It's a piece of shit that was made by an idiot." I'm like, "No, every choice was intentional. You just don't like it." Can you form your argument around that, please? So, and then he talks about, and then another video where he talks about how he came up with the idea and how he kind of put it all together, and he actually did give some advice. So, like. Like, I think the thing that, like, made me, like, a super fan, <laughs> not a super fan, but, like, a like a fan of his, is, like, he, ga- like, he gave, I think he gave more, I was like, okay, so, like, the advice he gave was, don't worry about, like, if you want it, like, if you want, like, the advice for breaking in, I was like, okay, don't worry about, like, getting an agent or... Blah, 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 or anything, any of that stuff. Just make. Just make. With whatever you got. Make. 
And I'm like, that felt so much more sincere and so much more like with passion and care than when I heard it out of J.J. Abrams' mouth <laughs> during the Force Awakens panels. Yep, agreed. Ah! It's why I respect Brick even more when I watch his stuff and see how deliberate he is and says stuff like that. Because I'm like, Brick wasn't a lot of money, and there are sound and some problems to it that nowadays he's like, he feels a little bit weird about, but he's ultimately proud about the fact that he made it and the relationships he formed from it and, and what he's continued to do with that, those ideas. The fact that he's not afraid of making overcomplicated scripts, the fact that he's not afraid to like make set pieces around certain ideas that he wouldn't do in that genre to play with things. Like he just made, he made a feature with what he could. And I, yeah, I just watch. Uh, that's the thing about Mad Max. It's the same thing. Like the doctor was like, I want to make a movie. I'm going to do everything I can to make this. And like, I'm just going to make it. Yeah. It, it gave me the boost. I, they gave me like the, um, the morale boost that I needed going into my gorilla shoot in a few weeks. Um, Hey, that's happening. Um, So, yeah, so I did watch Knives Out. I absolutely loved it. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I am so, like, the only thing I regret is not seeing it sooner. Like, uh, don't think, I, I, I'm trying to step away from that mentality. I know, I, I would say that this life is short, and there are going to be times where I'm like, yes, I wish I'd eventually gotten to something. But there are so many movies out there, dude. There are so many that, like, especially now, that are so good and have been around forever. Just be happy when you see it. It's like it, I'm trying to use that mentality along with, like, when someone's like, I've never seen this. I'm Instead of being like, you fucking piece of shit, what's wrong with you? I'm, instead of doing that, which is like a gut response when you're passionate about something, I'm trying to be like, dude, you get to see it for the first time. You get to see it for the first time. Man, that's awesome. I wish I was in your shoes. Yeah, lucky so-and-so. I hope you like it. Like... <laughs> Like that's that's what I'm trying to do with both of those. So like, just the fact that you got to see it in theater, or the fact that you got to see it, great. Maybe it'll come back to theaters here soon, and you'll get to see it there. And the fact that you now have time to see it more and get more from it as you do, because that's a pretty dense script. Um, now you have also the opportunity to go back to his other stuff. You've never seen Brothers Bloom, which I find a terribly confusing but also terribly interesting movie with Mark Ruffalo and. Uh, Adrian Brody. That's that movie has some decently fun stuff to it. Um, we will go back to Looper. You can go back to Brick if you want. You can watch the uh, some things he's done on the side, including the Breaking Bad episodes. He's got one that's a chamber episode where it's just the two main characters stuck in a room trying to catch a fly and talking about their problems. It gives you a good idea of what he can do and like how he can like make something out of something small. Yeah, just like. Oh, chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> all right. So that's what I saw. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, I saw Stalker, highly suggested. Uh, Zach's all about Umbrella Academy. And Chris is all knived out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so now we talk about Mad Max Road Warrior. That was an hour. So, yeah. All right, Alex, how did we get here? How did we get from one to two with well, George actually, Miller? 
Let's take a second and bring uh, Zach in because Zach wasn't here for last week. Re- okay. And you hadn't seen Mad Max at all when you watched it last week? Or this Me? Week? Yeah. Had you seen Mad Max the first one ever? No. Okay. So, yeah. Well, so, we so, my experience with right, so Mad Max. Hold on. So, to give you a brief background of my experience with Mad Max, it's uh, the only two that I've really seen are Road Warrior and Fury Road. Okay. Sorry. Uh, someone's like messaging. Anyways, um, so, uh, so seeing Mad Max for the first time, I was shocked. More so because I felt like the first Mad Max isn't really a Mad Max movie. Because when I think of a Mad Max movie, I think post-apocalyptic, you know, crazy psycho guys on cars, you know, playing guitar solos with fire in the <laughs> middle of the death. You know, you know, Fury Road, basically. <laughs> uh, you think Fury Road, you think Road Warrior more than you think uh, Mad Max. Um, so, um, so, and I thought it was honestly kind of boring it, it just didn't feel like a mad max movie to me and i i didn't really like it for that reason but i can understand what it was getting to and alex was telling me about his whole thing and i'll let him kind of go into his revelation that he, he... Well, you, you listen, you listen to the, uh, you listen to the episode right yes so he he knows our takes too so he's on an even keel with us chris so the next okay. question would be um, oh yeah, I guess it would be me talking about it, so how do we get here? So, I, I have to retract a couple things, because th- this is what Zach's getting, was just getting at. So I, after watching, um, after doing the episode last week with you, I watched Road Warrior right after it, and then I watched the trailer for Thunderdome, and I went, what the fuck? And I watched Thunderdome for the first time. I, oh. and then, well, after that, I gotta tell you, I immediately went to Fury Road. So, I'm glad I did, because there were things that I kind of got wrong and didn't highlight and need to get to, um, to get you a little bit more jonesed and prepared for where we're going. So uh, there was a guy that I forgot to mention in the production of Mad Max, the partner of George Miller. His name was Byron Kennedy. Um, he is the guy who produced the film. So Mad Max could not have been done if not for the help and money of Iron uh, Kennedy and supporting Miller. Well, after that film was such a success, suggest in Australia and other places, but not the U.S. It turns out Mad Max, the first film, did not reach the U.S. It was big in a bunch of other places, especially Australia, but not the U.S. I didn't know that. I got that wrong. So uh, it, it became a big thing for them, and um, they started their own production company. The two of these guys, Kennedy and Miller, um, and Miller was immediately courted by Hollywood after they saw Mad Max, and they were like, hey, dude, you want to make First Blood? And what? And Miller was like, huh, First Blood, eh? And they were like, yeah. And they were like, cool. So he started work on possibly doing First Blood, but he didn't end up doing it. And it ended up going to the other guy. Um, you can listen to our First Blood episode. And uh, uh, he ended up trying to make something else with a writer that um, didn't fall through. And in that process, he was also working on uh, the novelization of Mad Max, 
with this other writer and they were fleshing it, he was fleshing it out with him. And in the process of fleshing it out, as these Hollywood movies were falling apart, he got kind of interested in Mad Max. He hated the production of the first movie. The movie did not turn out the way that he imagined this character. He imagined the character of the last 15 minutes of the movie. He, he wanted that movie, but he didn't have the money or the possibility to make it. He just had to make what he could. But now he had money. He had a production company. He had Australia behind him. And so he decided he wanted to make road warrior and yeah he just uh it, it was a massive production the most expensive australian movie that had ever been made up to that point uh mel gibson was uh terribly into character he um didn't he wasn't method in the sense that he would be mad max on set but he like cut his own hair and he like ripped the sleeve off his jacket and everything like a lot of the look of max came from mel um Huh. Uh, and yeah, they just he he just got more money and he, he just made the thing that he wanted to make because the stuff in Hollywood wasn't working, and uh, it was a massive hit uh, in Australia. Again, it was a massive hit in America. In fact, they couldn't they didn't even call it Mad Max to in America because they hadn't they, no no one had seen Max. They they called it Road Warrior, and then when it became even bigger, they put out Mad Max, and then it was even bigger in the U.S. Um, uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much it. He just he was nothing was working out in Hollywood, and him and Byron went after he wrote the novelization. He was like, I kind of want to go back here, so he watched Kurosawa movies. He got inspired by those by westerns. Um, he had an interesting idea about how he wanted to do the world and everything, but he had everything centered and leading up to the 15 minutes of the end of the movie, which arguably is pretty much all of what Fury Road is. Um, uh, and that's it. It was just a pretty. It was a pretty good production. It was pretty seamless. Everything worked out the way he wanted to. It was the Mad Max he always wanted to make. Him and Byron Kennedy finally made what they wanted to make, and it was, it was the second movie he had ever made. Nineteen eighty-one. What did you think, Chris? Gosh, he almost made First Blood. That would have been interesting. I agree. George Miller, First Blood. Okay. Well, at least I know what the end thing is going to be. Um, so, okay. So, you hyped this up, right? You were like, dude, you're going to love this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the hype machine. You're the hype machine. I think this is going to be more of a therapy session. For me, because like something about this movie, I'm afraid to say was missing for me. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, this is I I did watch this twice. I did watch this twice. I will. I have to make that known. I did watch this twice. Huh? And like. For me, I was like, it's okay. So, objectively, I do think this is a better movie than Mad Max, than the first Mad Max. All right. It's shot better. It's more, it's tighter um, as a a narrative. Um, It shows more of the wasteland. Uh, of Australia 
Um, but like something didn't mesh with me. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm sorry, Alex. Something about something about this movie didn't live up to the hype that you had set for me. Okay. Um, and I, but here's the problem. I don't, I can't nail it down specifically. So All I'm right, hoping uh, we can kind of hopefully figure this out. Okay. So, so Chris, uh, I guess, do you, you can't really put your, 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 your thought on what you think is what's missing or what? For me personally, I'm like, I'm not saying like, this is a bad movie. I'm saying it's like it's a good movie, but I just didn't feel like it was like great. Okay. Like when I asked Alex last last episode, like, is Road Warrior one of the best sequels ever made? And Alex was like, you know what? Probably, yeah. And I was like, that's what that's what I took with me into this. I, I... so maybe it's me and my expectations. Like okay, I well, did think that I did think that at one point, like maybe my expectations are a little too high. So can I can I ask you and as a sequel to Mad Max from 1979 this movie being made in 1981 you don't think it's one of the best sequels ever made As a sequel to its predecessor I think so It has okay. better sequels to the, to Mad Max absolutely but like in the scheme of things to go from Mad Max to this just to those last 15 minutes alone yeah Pretty, pretty amazing. Okay, I'll agree with that. Yeah. So, Chris. Oh boy, Zach is gonna lecture me about how. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lecture you. Um, the way you said it, I'm crap. Okay. <laughs> um. So, I think I can understand the overhypedness about this movie. That you feel. Um, I think Alex probably overhyped it a tiny bit. I'm a hype machine. He's a hype machine. But I also think, like, in terms of action films, in the history of action films, this is pretty great. Yeah, definitely. Yes. It it Um, is. There's a lot of stories about this where, like, westerns like this, where a man comes into town on his horse and... I... Like... I feel like this movie is very buttery smooth. It's it's very smooth. It's very straightforward in what it wants. The story goes from point A to point B very quickly, and it creates a dynamic that is good and quick, and it's fast-paced. This movie, despite being, what is it, like two hours about? A little over two hours? Hour, hour and a half. Hour and a half? Definitely feels like an hour and a half. It's not... Yeah. Te- it it's it's good, dude. Like it it it's. I feel like the movie feels just right for how long it is. I I don't see too many issues with what I see with it, and it's just a heck of a lot of fun. Also, there's so many random pop culture references that I want to get into. That are so fun and interesting and hilarious. I I think the I think everything is I I would say this this is how it's so influential on the history of action in general. 
1981. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, it's still, because this is still technically independent filmmaking. Um, I would also say that um, everything in terms of the idea of Mad Max from the first film is now stepped up. The world building is better. The action is better. The production is better. Like everything has now been stepped up. But I would, I look at this film now as like if Mad Max was a sketch of an idea, this is what the actual end result would be. Like if there was a pilot of something, we never saw the pilot of like Game of Thrones or X Files, but then there was a first episode that they ended up starting the series with that's technically the pilot in everyone else's eyes. That's what Mad Max is. Mad Max is like if, if you, if, yeah, like Always Sunny in Philadelphia was. A group of people who entered a contest and made a pilot on two hundred dollars, and then that pilot won, and FX made it a series. The pilot is not what the show starts with. That two hundred dollar thing you can see anywhere, but that's not how the show starts. They reshot it and re-edited it with better money and better production, and actually made it episode one. This is that the Mad Max is the pilot. It's the idea. This Road Warrior is the true, real first Mad Max movie. You know how Mad Max came to be this way, but honestly, if this was just the first Mad Max movie, it'd be all you need to know. You wouldn't need to see the first one. And for a lot of people in the U.S., that's exactly what it was. For a lot of people in the U.S., they hadn't even seen the first one. They just saw this and were like, this movie's awesome. This guy's awesome. It's just in a post-apocalyptic Western and stuff. Um, so, so, Chris, have you ever seen This Is The End? You mean that apocalyptic comedy movie with all those people, including James Franco? Yeah. Not my cup of tea. Really? Not not my kind of not not my kind of comedy. So you should watch it because they make a really great Road Warrior reference with um with uh, Danny McBride and um and uh, Channing Tatum. <laughs> Where, cool. where Danny cool. McBride goes full humongous and they become cannibals and he turns um, Channing Tatum right. into, into his half-naked gimp. It's really Can funny. we talk about these villains for a second? <laughs> I just want to point that out. They're that is... calling Max mad? Mm-hmm. Wow. Like there was the like the guy with the red mohawk, this unhinged guy. He's got the same pants that uh, Prince wore at that one BMA's performance he did. Um, mm-hmm. Full on window to his ass. Um, and what can I? What I can only imagine is cinema's worst wedgie. Um, but like, I did not expect that. Like that, the villains in this movie, humongous. Like, I expected him to be like. I thought he was just gonna be like this hulking guy, just like a Jason Voorhees mask. But no, everybody is just like in this biker punk post-apocalyptic like gear. It's yeah. like it's like you took the guys. I know this is before the Matrix, but like the guys from like the club and Matrix Revolutions, and you put them in Mad Max, and you let them live in that world for a few years, and that's the result. 
Yeah. Like the programs have been set loose. Dude, dude Road, <laughs> Warrior, Road Warrior is crazy, dude. I, I love it. I, it's nutty <laughs> and like... Also, speaker... speaking of the Matrix, the train man's in this movie. Yeah. That surprised me upon first watch. That's who the train man is. That's right. I think I remembered when we were talking about it in the episode, but I completely forgot he was in this. He's in this and the next one, too. He's, he's in, in like every oh he's in everything. He's not in the same he's not the same character in the next movie. He's a different character. But he dude, Bruce Bruce Stay Spence, away from me! Stay Bruce, away from Bruce, me! Bruce Spence is literally like in all these random ass weird movies, and he's just like my favorite B actor. He's just he's just there. He's just there. Okay, so here's so, the thought. Let, okay, go ahead. Alan. Let me ask. No, no, no. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. No, and I was I was gonna go out and I was gonna go on another change. I was gonna I was gonna ask a question about how this movie ties into Fury Road, but I like no, no. Go ahead. You were gonna ask something. No, please go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so two things. One, I don't. You're gonna have to explain this to me, Alex, because I know you said it last episode. Or one of the episodes before, when we figured out we were doing Mad Max, you said in one of these episodes that Tom Hardy's Mad Max is this Mad Max. It's just a continuation of this. Well, technically, uh, just just hear me out here, Alex. You can probably answer, but technically, uh, Matt, uh, Road Warrior, Thunderdome, and Fairy Road are all the same character. Okay. Uh, it's it's like Bond. It's it's like James Bond. Okay, okay, that makes sense now. Both, both, both Mel Gibson and Tom Hardy are Max Rokotowski. They, they are the same guy, but Tom Hardy is just a new version of that character, the way that we accept Bond as a new Bond every time. Sometimes it's okay. the same Max. Because, because if I remember correctly, um, Thunderdome is like five years after Road Warrior or something, like in... 15. In lore, 15. And then Fury Road's like, and then Fury Road's like another eight or nine after that. Um, that's that's why that's how I, I would look at the world, and I'm I'm gonna explain this here. So, I, Mad Max is the perfection of the idea of Mel Gibson starring as this character with a sawed-off shotgun, dressed in leather, with a car, and he's driving through the wasteland, killing bad guys. And helping the helping the weak. That guy from Mad Max. That's the idea of that first movie. That's the best thing that that movie has going for it. Really, it it created that image of the guy. Road Warrior is the action. It's all about. It's an action movie, one hundred and ten percent. And the last fifteen minutes of its time for nineteen eighty one were unparalleled. It was a huge deal, Chris. Like those last fifteen minutes, even now, still get me. The rhythm yeah. of that, like it's it's it is Fury Road. It's just cheaper looking and from 1981 and a little bit more goofy. But at the same time, that editing, that pace, the moment where like the guy with the guy jumps up when the kid's trying to reach for the bullet, like still gets me every time. It's it's genuinely perfect editing. Um, it's all about the action. The third movie I discovered is the world of Fury Road. You want to know how we got to Fury Road? It's fucking Thunderdome, man. 
like I looked at Thunderdome and I was like, oh my god, this movie explains a lot. Um, it's also gorgeous. The best thing that Thunderdome has going for it above any of these other movies is its world. It's beautiful visuals to it. It's got one of my favorite shots of the entire series in it. Um, if Mad Max 1 is the idea, if Mad Max 2 is the perfection of the... Uh, Mad Max 3 is the perfection of the world, despite the things that are bad about it, then Fury Road is the... It's taking all of those three things and they put them into one movie. Fury Road is all those perfected ideas in one fucking movie. And he's going to try and do it again with Furiosa. It'd be amazing. How are you going to step it up now? Probably because he's figured out the lock. It took three movies for him to figure out how to make a perfect, perfect Mad Max movie. Unlike Best Picture Oscar nomination scale. It's the image and the idea of this character with this kind of action driven in this kind of world. You get Fury Road. So yeah, all of these movies have things about them that are not necessarily Fury yet. But if you look at what they do that is correct. It's amazing. But you're going to find... So... What? Guess what, Alex? Oh, no. We're going to get sidetracked. No, no, no. This is actually on topic. There's two Mad Max movies in development right now. Yeah. There's there's Mad Max The Wasteland, which is the sequel to Fury Road. And then there's the, as you mentioned, the, the Furiosa movie. Yeah, the, George Miller, I think I mentioned this already in the last episode, he's, he's always planned to make this a trilogy. He wanted Charlie Theron to be in the prequel, which would be the second movie, but the uh, suing, the, the court case, is what hauled everything off. And then the pandemic came in, and they didn't want to spend the money on de-aging. So it, it was always planned to be three movies, yeah. So... What I was going with that, where I was going with that was, I am shocked that, like, like I, it, it took me by surprise, given, like, the level of detail with the whole, like, narration that you would see in Fury Road, that the feral boy is not the Max you see in Fury, in Fury Road. Like, that blew my mind. I'm like, like... I'm not mad that it isn't, but I'm like, really? It's not. Like, it feels we want kind it. of elaborate that they no. would set that up well, to let, me. Let me, ask, let me but, ask you this. Like I said, I'm not mad. Well, let me ask you this. If I told you that Humongous was Goose from the last movie, but he's not, how would that make you feel? Oh, okay. My point is, is of course you could do that, but they didn't. And he wanted to make, he wanted to continue the, the character of Max like he was James Bond. The whole point is that I've come to realize watching all of these movies is that except for Mad Max, these are the legends of Mad Max. Mad Max is a, Mad Max is a mythical figure that walked around the beginnings of the wasteland and helped different towns become societies. So everything, even up to Fury Road, what you're watching is the like it's always someone telling you the story of this mysterious man who came in and helped this place destroy its corruptive evil and become a blossoming society. So like 
the more you just kind of like change the character, but make Mad Max the cop who lost his family and now fights for the weak, that guy should always be that guy. Sure, you you could make him the feral boy, but then there is no Mad Max anymore. He's just a kid who took Mad Max's name. They want to tell the story of the of the guy. Anyway, Mad- I just thought I just like I was being dumb. I'm sorry. No, I know. I mean, you can. I would love that idea too. It's it's like why not? If you want to keep this world going, but at the same time, why not just keep the world going? And just have it be about Mad Max. And the just, thing is, yeah, exactly. I, I th- that would make sense to me. Well, I, I, the reason it makes sense to me is Thunderdome. I'm here to calm you down because I went into the future, bro. Thunderdome <laughs> is the beast. Like it explains so much that you that there is a the reason Fury Road works is because there's a perfect balance between these costumes look weird and yeah, that guy's totally playing guitar. On a, a flame shooting out of it. Like, what's your level that you can accept? And there's a boundary there. And I think Thunderdome is it. Thunderdome does some cheesy, stupid, but it's also fun. It's the it. You're. I don't see Road Warrior is really sharp. It's like, here's the good guys. Here's the bad guys. Here's the hero. Here's the action. Here's the world. Enjoy. Here's your Saturday afternoon movie. Kids, go for it. And in the last 15 minutes, you're like, ah, oh, oh, nice. But Thunderdome doesn't have anything of the caliber of action, I would say, that this that this movie does in the 15 minutes. It doesn't have a 15-minute scene. Fury Road has a 15-minute ending of Road Warrior every, like, half an hour of that movie. Every action scene in that movie is miraculous. It's perfection. But nothing in Thunderdome, I would say, um, matches what you get in the last 15 minutes of this movie. There's a great train scene that's like got some great stunts to it, but the last 15 minutes of this movie is just exactly what would make Fury Road work. And yes. it's very um, sharp. The stunts uh, I, of this I, movie are awesome. I will say that. Um, so the guy who hits the car on the motorcycle and goes flipping? Yeah, he, yeah. That, that, that was a mistake. And he broke his legs totally when that happened. Ah! Good God. Has he walked again? Uh-huh. Okay, good. <laughs> what if he told you no? He's never walked again. That I, I'd be sad. Um, yeah. At least, the, at least he used of... the shot. So, oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, it's an amazing shot. Um, so what what did you like about this movie? Um, like I said, I like how I, I do like how much tighter it is um, than it, than the first movie. Like like you said, like the movie, the first movie is an equation, and this movie is the answer to that equation. Um what I okay what I liked is I like good way of putting it. I like the way the, again I think the visuals are better. Um there's a lot of that like that high frame rate that sped up like that sped up frame rate that you'd see in Fury Road. Like that's there. 
Um, and that, which I do like. Um, like oh, I said, I, I like. I'm sorry. Uh, to speak to that, I forgot to mention one thing about the production. When George Miller was editing this, he didn't edit it with sound. He edited it like mute. So he did it like it was a silent movie. And those are the things that inspired him to do that. Fast speed editing. Huh. Buster Keaton especially. Huh. Um, the dog is cute. Oh, that yes. is a good. That is a good boy. Um, well, he was. He's inspired by a man, a boy, and his dog. Yeah. I see. Um, I gotta find something. <laughs> I gotta find some other stuff. Um, I mean, the centerpiece is the last fifteen minutes. Did you not? Yeah, the last. Yeah, the last. I, I did. Um, it like here's the thing though. Like the first time I'm like, first time when I watched it, I was like. This music still ain't doing it for me. Like the soundtrack, oh, the same composer, same composer as the last one. Yeah, no. It's soundtrack, the soundtrack, soundtrack did not. I think the soundtrack was a like a contributing factor. I was like, okay, I'm in for a better movie. Same soundtrack. I'm like, what the heck, guys? <laughs> like it's a better movie than the first one in almost every way. And you kept the one thing that I did not like. <laughs> um, and it's bombastic. I didn't like the soundtrack until the last 15 minutes. That's when it fit. Everything else just felt like everything else. It felt like the soundtrack was just off and just generic. And then, okay, good. Um, good. Um, uh, I, like I said, I do like, I do like, I do like the feral. I do like the feral boy. Um, that boomerang, that boomerang, that boomerang is great. Cause like he threw the boomerang, he missed the first time, and he's got this metal claw that he uses to catch the boomerang, and then he threw it again, and he hits the mohawk guy's boyfriend, and <laughs> oh, right in the head. Like that was gnarly. That was a gnarly shot. Um, and that tried to grab it with his hand. Yeah, and the guy. Oh man, that ah ah. Um, I do like like I said, the stunts are like. Like throughout the movie, not just like the last fifteen minutes. I think the stunts like are incredible throughout. Um, like these car act, like these like these car crashes, just feel so visceral for its time. Like they're just so like, like they just go for it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like these, like they, they just they don't hold anything back. Is what I'm trying to say. It's not like. Like, I keep saying this, like, for, like... I said this a lot in Die Hard, but... In this movie in particular, it's like, it's not like in each car crash you see, there's an explosion. There's, like, a massive, like, explosion of, like, a giant fireball. Like, these are real, visceral car crashes. Like, these things... They drag cars and stuff, yeah. Yeah, just, like... Like, you really feel, like, the impact, too. I give it to the people who did the sound design for those crashes um but um here's one thing i thought about when i wa was watching it the second time like i was thinking like man something's not i was trying to like the thing that's like okay it can't be the narrative it's almost the exact same as fury road so i can't bash the narrative 
So it's so I can't like, that can't be the weak link. So I'm thinking. So I thought to myself, like I thought to myself, I like convicted myself. So I was like, if I had seen Road Warrior before Fury Road, would it then be swapped? Is what I was like. I don't think so. Because I had a, I wrestled with myself with that. So I was like, would I have a higher opinion of this movie if I had not seen Fury Road first? Oh, oh. Because um... like, there's the oil tanker. There's the oil tanker chase. It, all of Fury Road is that oil tanker. Yeah, yeah there's, so not it's... It's, there's not even gas in his fucking sand. Right. That was that, that I thought was a great fake out. That I thought was a great fake out. Um. So, like, so you're saying, did Fury Road absolutely spoil you to any other previous, uh, any other previous film because it's just older and cheaper and just not, not because it's older and cheaper, just because I'd seen it before. Do you think? Do you think Fury Road is seeing this movie? Do you think they're that close together? In a sense, like that's what I'm wrestling with. Like, in a sense. It- well, Kind of was this. Well, this is what his character is. It's right. the same thing stories in the sense that there's a power struggle between the strong and the weak. He comes in and he equalizes it. But the difference between Fury Road and this, I feel like, is like here are these people. They're stuck at a gas place. They want to go, and these people are like really harming them. They know that if they like give it to them, that they'll always be in their lives. Mad Max comes in and helps them get out of this uh, situation and away from them so that there's no problem. And their humanity helps him find his humanity, uh, even after he leaves. Uh, and that that's what it is. That's the story of Mad Max, man. Right. Like, that's that's what it is. Uh, like, I, I, the, that's the thing. The difference between Fury Road and this is that Fury Road has the element of Furiosa. Furiosa wants to help these women. These women are the... Uh, way more important than Mad Max. You don't necessarily feel that's the case here. These people are kind of like whatever to us, the audience, because we're way more interested in Max. But as we watch Fury Road, we care way more about those people and understand that Max can help them because we know the name Mad Max from these other movies. We know the the history that comes with that guy that he's going to come in and equalize things but their story is far more interesting i think than the town here that all the town wants to do is get out get away from these people nothing more than that it'd be great if they could get some gas with them and it'd be great if the bad guys didn't get any gas at all but them getting away is the main goal and it's just not that interesting that's kind of why max doesn't give a shit but you know it's after meeting the people and understanding humanity and seeing the little boy and after his dog dies, he's like, yeah, man, I mean, why not? Why not go out helping some people? And he thinks he's going to die. That's the other thing. Like, he totally thinks he's not going to live through this. Um, so, yeah, like, he's just throwing himself to the wolves for these people. And, and that's what he does in every movie. Every single movie. Yeah, that was like, that, when you put it in the context of, like, that he's James Bond, and it's just, like, another tale of that i was like okay that like that made sense to me like that makes sense to me yeah mad max doesn't change as these films go on it's the world that gets more interesting that's what i'm that's what i figured out i watched all four of them one day and i'm like 
the fact that we went from like a shitty police station and cops that are just like killing assholes on the road because that's all that's left to the painted faces and and sprayed grills and people like uh, thinking that water is cola like uh, like how did we get to that point it makes so much more sense it, these movies are the exponential growth of the world max does not change max is affected by the world and the reason we continue to believe that is the world continues to get more fucked up and barbarous and it will in thunderdome you'll see uh but there are certain moments in thunderdome of absolute insanity chris that i can't wait there's this particular moment during the Thunderdome that I can't wait to hear you because you were, I wish I was there. I wish I could be there when you see it and you will know it. Both of you will know it. You'll see it and you'll be like, oh my God, this is amazing. But <laughs> it's, it's not what you think, but you'll know it when you see it. Trust me. Uh, it's perfect for us. Um, and that's the thing. Like I, I think w- now that I've seen Thunderdome and know that it, it's too silly and doesn't understand its tone, this is why I think this that World Warrior is the second best one. I think those fifteen minutes are great, but also it's sharper, much sharper of a story. Um, the world is it steps up from the first film and it doesn't have any like fat to it, which I think they I think I think Thunderdome's a little fat. And I'm glad I went back and watched it, Chris, because I figured out why. And I'm not going to tell you until we get there. Okay. Um. Yeah. The. the like that's my thing. There's not there's not a whole lot to from there's not a whole lot to complain about, honestly. Like like I said, the movie's almost better in every way than its predecessor. Like and I can say that objectively, just something with like 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 we something like just like wasn't grabbing me. I don't know if it was like me having seen Fury Road first before seeing this and or like the stupid soundtrack or does hurt for you because I agree with you. We both really don't like it, but I do think that watching Fury Road and having expectations, hearing about Cause like it's one thing before Fury Road came out, we were all like, "Oh, another Mad Max. Those are great movies. Everyone loves those movies. Those are definitive action movies, from what I have heard." And now that we all love Mad Max and are going back and watching these movies, we're like, "These movies are okay. These are nothing to Fury Road. What we need to do is watch them from the first movie. That's the point. You got to remember, Chris. This was a doctor who made a movie for a thousand dollars because the cops decided to help him, and now." He's got all the money in the world, and instead of going to Hollywood and making First Blood with Sylvester Stallone, he decides to backtrack and make the movie he always wanted to make with the money he now has with his best friend, with his now with a star that he knows is a star. Like, imagine if you made your first movie for a couple bucks, and then everyone throws you money, and then the, Australia calls you back, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to my homeland. I'm going to make the movie that I want to make with the money all you all just gave me. Boom. Second movie this guy has ever made. Second. Like, we're watching the growth of how we got to Fury Road. Not, you know, it's, you know, Fury, you know, it's fine. Like, right. God, this 1981, dude. Like, First Blood is one of the first action action movies ever. And that's not really an action movie. It takes forever until we get to the cave. And it's the same thing here. And this was only a few years later. This is before um, 
uh, Empire, right? Isn't this when Empire came out? No, this is after Empire came out. Empire was what, 80? 80, yeah. Yeah, we're just in that window. Like, in a year, I think, a couple years would be Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is one. It's in the 80s, uh... I know that. But, like, we're, we're in the... This is one of the defining movies of that era. This is the reason we have Fast and Furious. This is the reason we have the Italian job. This is, you know... We, right. This is the reason any, like, car-centered action movie, period. Alex, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark came out the same year. Ah, there you go. Um... Just coming out with the best of the best. This is, we would not have half of what we have if it wasn't for this. So yeah, I'm. I am. Uh, just maybe like the Maltese Falcon again, where you like need to watch a little bit more for you to see it, and the first time you watch is just a little bit jarring. Like I said, I watched it twice, and like the second time, I was like, okay, I'm starting to. I'm start like I. I the second time around, I I forgot to mention this. Like the second time around, I was like, okay, I'm. Starting to get it, there's something still not clicking here. Um, and like I said, I think the. <sighs> Sorry that I'm boring you out, Zach. Um, no, I'm actually just tired. I was up at 5 a.m. this morning. I'm sure you were. Um, uh, yeah, I was, Chris. Thank you very much. <laughs> I go um, to work at 6.30 to 5.30, six days a week now. Thank you very much. And we're all proud of you. Anyway, um, you will be. You will be in November. So, like, the more I think about it, I think seeing Fury Road first, I think, did detract in, in a way. Because, like I said, I'd seen, like, the oil tanker before. So I was, like, not entirely surprised or like like I, I was like okay I've, my mind was like I've seen this before um and like the soundtrack of course we, we still don't like come on Junkie XL could not get here soon enough um and but at the same time this like but every time I think about it, it's like there's not there's nothing wrong with it, honestly. No. Besides the fact that like we care about like you said, Alex, like we care about these people less than Furiosa because Furiosa had some actual flesh and bones. Um, but yeah, so like I guess I I guess what I'm getting at is like. I Hmm. That's So what I'm Okay, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I do like this movie. I just thought I'd like it more. I think is what I'm trying to say. What did you What did you think you were going to like, like What did you I think thought, you were gonna get? I thought I was getting like um he thought I, he was getting Fury Road, is, and he didn't. No, I, was, I didn't, because we're going to get Fury Road. We're going to get Fury Road. I wasn't expecting Fury Road. I was expecting, like, uh, 
I was I guess I was expecting there to be like a bigger leap because I guess that that's an interesting thing to think about because maybe it's like this expectation of though the sequel's got to be bigger and this sequel I guess this movie isn't this okay maybe it isn't it this, is it, okay, it is bigger it is. than the first movie it's a lot Not bigger than the first movie uh, is it a uh, I'm second guessing myself dang it. Um, in the in the first movie, it's the guy who's a cop with a family, and like things are going to shit. But then those last fifteen minutes, he's in a car driving around killing dudes. That's this guy. This movie is that guy. That's this is the world he drove into. Now, like society's gone. Okay, it's okay, just, okay. Like, it's bigger. It's bigger. <laughs> Jesus. But the character, the character particularly. The best thing in Mad Max, the whole point is what drove him to get to the point where he just drives around and murders assholes. What drove that guy to the point that he doesn't even talk to people or think that he deserves to be a part of society anymore? What drove him to that point? And then, like, they're like, "Fuck it, let's just put him in that world now." He just let's let's see what that guy can do. It, it he is the road warrior now. He goes around and helps people. Um, yeah. That's just what his story is. There'd be no Fury Road if there was no this. So, okay. Okay, so yeah, like I said, it, yeah, all right. Um, well, like I said, there's, like, there's no, like, for me, there's not a lot to complain about except for the soundtrack and the fact that I, that I saw Fury Road first. Like, other than that, it's like, it's bigger. I guess like what I'm trying to say is it's bigger than the first one. I was expecting, like, bigger than that, I guess. Because I guess that's what they condition you to expect nowadays. It's yep. bigger. Because that's that's what I was trying to get at. I was like, maybe it's that. Man, maybe, maybe it's that. I was like, because, like, maybe I just, like, there's this conditioning that maybe I have to address that. The sequel's got to be like bigger than big. Um, oh, it just has to be better, right? Um, doesn't have to be bigger. It can be more ambitious, but this movie isn't more. And I wouldn't say this movie is necessarily more ambitious. I think this movie knows exactly what it wants and what it wanted to make. I think the third one is a little. The third one has a story to it, but um, as we all know, Mad like Fury Road was sitting in his head. For ten years, on the walls of his office, for ten years, um, he got like three thousand five hundred sketch artists to make a like spined book of the storyboard that he showed people whenever he gave them an opportunity. Um, uh, he sat on that one forever. It is a perfect, perfect execution of a perfect idea, and that perfect idea exists because these three movies. Handlebar, it's a triforce all brought together the idea of the character, the world that he inhabits, and how do you shoot that action? All three of them come together to make Fury Road after sitting in his head for 10 years. Like, and, and the other two movies sat there too. Like, he had time, the exact same amount of time to continue with that story of where Furious and that world and Max would go. So, I still have hopes for the other ones, but like, these ones are the first and second movie. Made by a man who had never made a movie ever. Ever. Right. That's unbelievably impressive. That's un- like, I-, I remember when I first watched this, I'd seen Mad Max, the first one, and I was like, meh. 
and then I seen the I seen Fury Road, and I was like, I need to get to I need to get to this. And I watched it, and I was impressed. I was like, this is a huge jump from the first movie because it is like that's a that's like I watching the movie as many times as I did last week. I get it. Like I care about the characters in the world, and it takes that weird jump to the point where they go on vacation and everything. And it is really simple in a lot of ways. But this is like this is what I want from my action movie that I turn on, like standard '80s action movie. Here's a hero. Here's the villains. Here's the people they got to save. Here's the world. Here's some action. Go. It's no different than turning on a pirates movie. It's no different than turning on the Matrix. Like. Here's an action movie. Here's what it can do for you. Go. I don't think it's swimming in thematics, really, other than the the more the world goes to hell, the more crazy humanity gets. Like, we've got cannibals out here. This is crazy. We've got people that, like, we got feral children going, dude. This is insane. People are going crazy. He's called Mad Max because, honestly, <clears throat> had to be mad to live in this world or to want to live in this world or to like to live in this world, as he said he wanted to in the first movie. So I, I can sit here and talk about the history and the impact of this movie um, on other films all I want. And I can sit here and I can talk about um, what it meant for George Miller and his history of filmmaking and everything. But that's the main reason that I'm interested in going into this series is how did George Miller get to Fury Road? How did, how did a doctor who's just so sick and tired of looking at car accidents decided to make an entire film series about a guy wandering around killing people with car songs. I, just, I find that incredibly interesting to me. But if you don't respond to the movie, you don't respond to the movie. Maybe, and what I'll, all I'm getting at in terms of time and watching other movies is other 80s movies will get you into this. Like, you know, I, it'd be interesting to see what, like, how it comes to Fraud Town does for you, or Buckaroo Banzai, or Cherry G Thousand, or a bunch of other Dysotopian 80s uh, apocalyptic 80s movies that came out where it was just a bunch of bikers like threatening couples in cars. This is this is one of the best of those around, and that created a whole genre of them for sure. This created a whole genre of like apocalyptic 80s bikers movies and car movies for sure. This is the best of them. It's true. I I feel I don't don't feel bad. Um, I feel bad. I wish you did enjoy it. Um, I'm, but you still have Fury Road. Fury Road exists. Um, but uh, maybe you'll like Thunderdome more. Maybe you'll think Thunderdome is better than I think it is in terms of some of the things I think that are stupid. But I think you'll probably enjoy Thunderdome more. Um, imagine Mad Max clashed with Waterworld and Hook. And you've got Thunderdome. That is a mind-breaking combination. Um, we wouldn't have Waterworld without Mad Max, but like, I I always used to think like, yeah, Waterworld is really crazy looking and everything. I I guess you know with Road War and everything, but after seeing Thunderdome is the missing piece in terms of why Fury Road looks the way it does for sure. Um, yeah, I, yeah, so. Because I didn't not enjoy it. I just didn't enjoy it as much as I thought it would, as, I, as much as I thought I would. That's the, that's where, that's where I'm at. It's like, I, I liked it. You know, I didn't, it's gonna, I think it's gonna take time for me. I, I think you should, I think, yes, you should have not 
gone to see Fury Road before you started the series, I think. But also, I'm I I hype things, man. That's what I do. I know. I I so I'm not necessarily saying it's your fault or whatever, you know. Well, I I'm just taking the credit for what I did, but like I people <laughs> told people tell me all the time that things are great. People told me Stalker was amazing, and I didn't really respond to it that much like i was like i don't think i'm gonna go back to this movie again it wasn't until someone like kind of opened my mind about it that i'm like oh my god that's what it was about now i want to watch doctor again i absolutely want to go back and see the things that i just wasn't really clicking with why wasn't it clicking with me sometimes it's just i don't like 80s i, I don't like a movie from this era you just you can't do anything about that at the other hand like this is also the second movie made from the guy who made Mad Max, which was really not not a lot happens in Mad Max. We even said it ourselves. It's a long-ass hour-and-a-half movie. So, of course, there are going to be things that carry over from that into this that are still kind of there. But eventually, the guy would make Happy Feet, and eventually the guy would make Babe, and eventually the guy would make Fury Road. How did he get there? This is how. You crawl, then you walk, then you run. These are the stepping stones that got us to one of the greatest movies of our generation. It took a few movies to get there. Each and every one of these movies had a huge impact. But Fury Road is, I would say Thunderdome has the least. But the first two especially had impacts for getting us there. So that's how I'm seeing all this. If you're not, that's completely understandable. But like, I don't know, maybe maybe when we watch more dumb 80s movies, you'll be like, yeah, Mad Max is smarter. (laughs) And maybe, maybe Thunderdome will do that. (laughs) um so so yeah i'm that's yeah that's kind of where i'm at if you guys want to go into grades well zach do you have anything you want to say no uh you basically hit it on the head whoops uh Okay, well, um, I would say uh, I would say one of the interesting things for me is that I did not like the first Mad Max the first time I watched it, and watching it as much as I did the week the week prior, I've learned to appreciate what it does more, and I'm hoping that as I continue on watching these again throughout the week, even though I've watched all four, that I'll be able to understand what it is that makes that special to me now but not necessarily one that I need to return to every time I watch the series. Like, I'm probably just going to go back and watch the last 15 minutes. I like, I'll watch his wife get murdered, and then I'm going to be like, all right, cool, I'm going to move on to Road Warrior. But, uh, I, it would be interesting if over time, watching these two movies, and the more we talk about it, you may find that kind of respect for Road Warrior. But um, if you don't, like, it's not a big deal. I think um, as we keep going with the next movie and Fury Road, like you're going to be able to talk about a movie you love. Um, and then also you're going to go through a movie you've never seen in this world by the same director. Like get excited, Chris, you get like, you get to watch another movie in this world by this director. That was kind of the thing I was, that I was happy about when I watched Thunderdome. I'm like, I know nothing about it enough for me to give a solid like 10 minutes of it. This is a lot of new stuff for me and it was a great experience. So I wanted to keep going. If I were to just take out Mad Max and pick these three films, Road Warrior, Thunderdome, Fury Road, that to me is a tight, tight, tight series of movies. Like, why not? Um, I think I gave a B to Mad Max. 
Did we give it the, the did I give it a B too? Uh you gave it a B plus. A minus. Uh I'm gonna go A minus as well. Uh there's a, there's I, I think it's one of the best sequels of all time. It, the last fifteen minutes are classic. Mel Gibson's look, the way he's carrying himself, it's all super fun. The world is goofy, and I love how disposable the people are, but also how important they are for society to continue. It's just it's all Saturday afternoon fun. I love it. It's just don't think too hard. We're gonna have a good time, folks. Um, and that that all leading up to the last fifteen minutes of like solid, awesome action-packed driving, like great editing speed that gets better as the film goes on um, is great. And then there's no sand in the tanker, and it was all for naught for those guys. It's <laughs> great. Um, they kind of screw over Mad Max a little bit. If Mad Max had survived that whole thing, he would have gotten the gas. But, no. <laughs> he already had He already had the gas. <coughs> he already had the gas in his car, though, which blew up. Mm-hmm. No, well, oh, I, like, got it. Yeah, like, okay. He was going the opposite direction of where they were going to distract them. He didn't know there was no gas in the tanker. He was running the risk of them blowing it up, or he was going to murder everyone on his way there, or get away, and then he would have an entire tanker full of gas. He could go back for his car, get it fixed, and can go from there. Which uh, it's going to be inter- interesting to see where he starts in the next film. Um, yeah. There you go, everyone. Road I, well, we, Warrior. I, I didn't. We didn't grade it. We did. Oh wait, uh, I didn't grade it. I get uh, oh. my B was for um, Mad Max. So oh. I'm gonna. Oh no, I did say yeah. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna say A minus. Zach, did you give it? Nope. Give it. A minus. Oh, we did it. Yeah. It's I, a very. It's a very. It's a very solid A minus. Like I don't think it's an A because I think I I think Fairy Road's an A, but <laughs> Fairy Road's probably an A plus, truthfully. But like it, it's it's yeah. an A minus in like every epitome sense of the word. I'm gonna change mine to A. Really? Lame. <laughs> the minute he realizes everything. We tied. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to change your name. No, I, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, it was the second movie. He got to go back and do it bigger and better. It it, it really, it's it just, it's a simple genre thing. It's a Western formula. It's, it's a samurai formula. It's been done so many times. But he put his stamp on it in both the style of the action of his action film and the world uh, that he set this uh, uh very familiar story in and he made it all his own um and i enjoy watching it i do i watched it four four times for this i gotta say um i really enjoy it i think i think it's super sharp like it's very good for the 80s um it deserves to be in the same caliber as raiders and first blood and um uh what else came around here empire um and and jedi like it may, it deserves to be a classic. It it deserves to be up there, and I think it's an A. I don't think the next one 
is an A. But I I think Fury Road flat out A plus. I'm saying that now. But uh, <laughs> th- this one I think is such a jump from the first film, and it's so confident. It's so confident in what it is and what it's trying to say and how to tell it. Uh, it's exactly what he wanted to do, and he wasted no time doing it once it clicked in his brain. Once that light sw- once that bulb turned on, he was like, wait, I have everything I need to do. What I- I'm-. And he just ran in and he did it. Uh, no stop. No stopping. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go A. Okay. He's gone A, ladies and gentlemen. I'm keeping mine the same. Um, I it's a it's a step up from um it's a step up from uh first Mad Max, for sure. And that's like that's where I'm currently at. <laughs> um So there you go, everybody. Uh Road Warrior. Next time. Beyond Thunderdome. Oh man. Yeah, I can, yeah. I know nothing, okay? Here's the thing. I don't know, I hardly know anything about Beyond Thunderdome. So you're, so you're Jon Snow. I know nothing, yes. Okay. I would say the two things... King that, of the North! The you are not the I, King of the North. The two things I would say you know is, I think it's genuinely a beautiful movie. Like, on its own, it's a genuinely beautiful-looking movie. And uh, it... It is certainly, it's certainly, this certainly steps up the look of the world of Mad Max, if anything. Uh, a lot of what Fury Road was came from this, for sure. So next time, Beyond Thunderdome, and then we are one step closer to Fury Road. Um, so there you go, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I don't and, think that's... Uh, I've got to figure out how to actually close this thing out. The king of the north! (laughs) All right, say goodbye, guys. Bye. Hashtag release the George Miller cut of First Blood. What? No, he never made it. He never made it. Yes. I want that cut, though. I want that cut. I mean, we all want the cut, but it it just doesn't exist. Maybe it does, though. Make it exist. Thank you.